We're so glad you could join us for the mornings at YCBC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with Him. So let's get into the Word. Um, well, good morning. I'm going to pray uh, and then we're going to jump in uh, to God's Word this morning. And it's going to be a little bit different this morning, but I'll explain that uh, in just a moment. Uh, but Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Word. We pray that we'd be shaped by it, encouraged by it, challenged by it. Um, ultimately, that we would look more like Jesus after we've engaged with it this morning. Uh, I do want to pray for our church family who are somewhat scattered this morning on holidays. Thank you that um, for some of us we've been able to uh, travel and we pray that that would be safe. And we pray that those people ultimately uh, would be able to be returned safe uh, to the church family. We pray for those who are unwell uh, and we pray uh, especially uh, for their healing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, before I do jump into this, I do want to wish, uh, I think he's online this morning because he's still unwell, I do want to wish uh, Steve a very happy 60th birthday in a few days' time. Um, unfortunately, Steve's kind of been quite unwell in the lead up to his 60th birthday, so we want to keep praying for his health, but we want to wish you uh, a happy birthday, Steve, and thank you for um, who you are and all that you do for our church family, um, and so I pray that you be blessed this morning. Um, uh, so this morning I want to talk about perseverance, um, which if you've followed me around a, a little while, you might have heard me speak about some of this stuff before. This is um, something that I've shared in a few different contexts and a few different environments. Um, what's going to be different this morning is uh, normally they tell you to have one main point for a sermon, and I guess there is a main point, which is perseverance. Uh, but I'm going to talk about 10 things this morning. Uh, and so I don't expect you to grab them all. What I want you to do is take away what you think God's speaking to you uh, from those 10 things at the moment to help you persevere. Um, and so the Bible talks about perseverance a lot, and it talks about there being blessing in persevering. There's a whole bunch of verses, but I'm just going to read a couple this morning that touch on the blessing that comes to us through persevering when the road gets tough. So in James uh, chapter 1, verse 2 and 4, 2, 2, 4, sorry, uh, the brother of Jesus, James is, he says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many, time, many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And so when our faith is tested, that's an opportunity for perseverance to develop. And when perseverance completes its work, it leads us to maturity and that our faith wouldn't lack anything. Uh, later on in verse 12 of the same chapter, James says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. And so there's blessing in perseverance. I'm just going to read one more. There's a couple more that I'll reference for those who like to do some extra reading. Uh, but I'm going to read from Romans chapter 3, uh, verses, sorry, that's Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 3 is good as well, but not what we're looking at this morning. Romans chapter 3, verses 3 to 5. And so here the Apostle Paul says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit has been given to us. And so <clears throat> James says that the end product of, of perseverance is, 
Maturity uh, is a complete faith, not lacking anything. Uh, it is receiving the crown of life. Uh, the Apostle Paul says in Romans that, that it is uh, something that produces character in us and ultimately it produces hope, which is interesting because sometimes when we have to persevere it's through hard things, it's, it's the hope that gets sucked out of us. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, if you persevere, hope will be the end product. Um, if you want to look up later on, you can make a note in your notes, Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 and Hebrews chapter 10 verse 36. The, these two talk about the blessing of perseverance, but I'm on the clock and so I want to keep moving. And so the question I have this morning that I want to really touch on this morning is not that there's blessing in perseverance, but how do we persevere? How do we actually train ourselves to persevere, to, to endure when the road gets challenging. When I think about that, um, it reminds me of this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter to 9, verse 24 to 27, uh, where, where the Apostle Paul is talking about training in faith. And he says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games, that's like the Olympic games, sporting games, goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. And so, though he doesn't use the word perseverance there, Paul's essentially talking about we need to train ourselves for perseverance. Just as an athlete would train themselves to be able to run in a race in a perseverant way in order to win the prize, Paul's saying that he needs to train himself and we need to train ourselves so that we'll persevere. It's, it's endurance is a product of training. You don't decide one day that you're going to run it, go out the front door and run a marathon without any training. And the same is true in our faith. We don't just all of a sudden have the capacity to persevere apart from you know, God's grace with us. But, but this morning I want to focus on, well, how do we train? And so I'm going to focus on 10, 10, I've already said 10, but 10 key ideas from the Bible about how we, how we train ourselves to persevere in our faith. And so as I said... I want you to grab what you feel the Holy Spirit's highlighting to you. And so just as an athlete trains across the broad training exercises relevant to their sport, they will also have a coach who comes along and, and identifies areas that they need to specifically focus on in order to get better at their sport. And so I'm going to just throw out 10 thoughts this morning, but, but I encourage you to seek the Holy Spirit as, as the coach who, who wants to come and, and say to you, well, well, these are the three or the four or the one or the two or even the 10, but, but the key areas that, that you need to focus on in this season to build more perseverance in your faith, in your life, in your walk with God. Are you ready? All right. And so the first key... To, to training ourselves to be perseverant is to establish a rhythm of rest. In Deuteronomy 5.15, God says to his people, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out 
of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath rest. And so Jesus came later than this revelation and and reminded us that the Sabbath was made for humanity, not humanity to serve the Sabbath. So we don't come at the Sabbath with a legalistic, I must serve its sense. But God has embedded in us a need for a rhythm of rest. And so if we're going to endure, we, we need to establish a rhythm of rest in our life. Rest from our regular work. Rest that reminds us that we're not slaves. Rest that reminds us to trust in God. And the rhythm that Jesus, well, yes, Jesus affirmed, but God spoke to his people was a weekly rhythm of rest. He didn't actually say, for 48 weeks of a year you shall labor, and then for four weeks you shall take annual leave. Like, I love annual leave. I'm about to take some myself. It's good. It's, it's part of our, our cycle of rest. But it's not the pattern, the rhythm that Jesus encouraged that God spoke to his people. He talked about a weekly rhythm of rest. And so often we, we say in our culture, oh, you always fall sick. You get sick when you go on annual leave because your body just ugh, shuts down. Well, if that's the case, then, then I'd say that it's probably an indicator that we're not engaging in a rhythm of rest that is more weekly. Annual leave is great, but it's not the answer. And so for an athlete, they need to rest regularly. If an athlete just trains and trains and trains and trains without taking rest, then they don't get faster, they don't gain the capacity to run further, they get slower and less perseverant. They need rest to enable their muscles to repair and to strengthen. Just as uh, someone performing an endurance event, and they're not the elite athletes now we're talking about, but someone who, who's struggling to get there, they need to stop and have a rest and have a drink and refresh themselves so that they can keep going. And so the first key to establishing perseverance in our life is to incorporate weekly God-focused rest into our routine. If we're already in a place of burnout, then we need to rest harder. Trust me. You need to rest harder and longer. So key one, establish a rhythm of rest. Key two, know your goal. You need to know what you're persevering towards if you're going to persevere towards it. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 10, 11, and then I'm going to skip to 14. The Apostle Paul says this. This is his goal. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Jumping to 14. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And so we need to know what we're pressing on towards. You can't persevere in your faith if you don't know what the goal of it is. You, you can't run for how long's a marathon? 42 kilometers if you don't know where the finish line is. If you don't know that there is a finish line, if you're just running in random directions. We need to know, <coughs> pardon me, the goal. And so here, Paul is speaking of himself what his goal is, but I believe he articulates for us what should be the goal of every believer, and that is ultimately to know Christ to know the power of his resurrection, to know him even in his suffering, 
to know him even in, in our death, and ultimately to know him in a resurrection with him. That's the goal that we press on towards. Our, our goal is not a job. Our goal is not building a crowd. It's not seeking a promotion. It, it's not marriage. It's not a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It's not wealth. It's not a house. I mean, these things are, are nice. They're part of our lives. They're, they're, they're wonderful. And that list could go on and on and on. But we need to know that our goal is Christ Jesus. His resurrection, even knowing him in his suffering. Knowing your goal helps you to persevere. Many years ago, after I finished up playing rugby, I decided to uh, try and do this mountain bike marathon. That was, it was 100 kilometres on a mountain bike and um, I'd, I'd played rugby and so the, 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 the body condition, the shape, you can see that I'm not the typical physique of a cyclist. Um, it was quite different um, for this 100-kilometre Convict 100, it was called Mountain Bike Race. Uh, and so I remember uh, starting out in that race and, and training for it, uh, and the thing is, I ended up finishing with my, with my father and my brother after about eight and a half hours. The person that won the race finished in under four hours. Now, if my goal was to win that race, I would have given up less than halfway through. But that wasn't my goal. I knew my goal my goal was to somehow drag myself to the end. And so after, after that, I remember reading a little news article in a cycling magazine about that race, uh, and, and there was this guy who'd rode it who was participating in it, and he'd had some issues with his bike over the first 20 kilometres or something like that, uh, and his aim was to win the race. And so when he was about, um, you know, when he was a few k's behind the leaders at the halfway mark, he gave up, because his goal was to win, and that was gone. And so if we make our goal something else other than knowing Jesus, then we'll either get that thing and give up or we'll decide that that thing is beyond us and give up. We need to know what our goal is. Our goal is to keep going, that we be more and more like Jesus, that we know him more and more and ultimately that we'll experience that either in our death or the end of all things when he comes. And so if we're going to persevere, we need to rediscover the goal of knowing Christ. Key three. Know where you are now. Uh, in verse 12 of this chapter in Philippians 3, the Apostle Paul says, Not that I've already attained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And so, if we think we've already arrived, then we won't keep going. If we're somehow deluded that the place we are in our faith, in our life, is perfect knowledge of Jesus, then why press on? We need to know that we're not yet there yet. We need to know that there's always more of Jesus to know. We need to know that there's always more of Jesus to become like. And so the, the kind of idea here is you might have a map of where you, and know where you need to go to know Jesus, but unless you know where you are, the map is useless. If, if you know, we're modern today and in, in a couple of hours' time, I'm going to put Moonby in my GPS because that's where my parents live and it's going to guide me there. But if I turn off the location services on my phone and it doesn't know where I am, the map becomes useless. Even though I know where I'm going, I might know where I started, but if I don't know where I am, the map becomes useless. If we've got an old school map uh, that doesn't come on your phone, it's made out of paper... 
That might have every road in the country on it, but if you don't know where you are on it, the map's useless. And so we need to know where we are. We need to have a sober assessment of where we're at with Jesus. We need to get real and not kid ourselves. We need to know where we are. Not to heap shame on ourselves, but just to know which way we might head to keep going. Key three, know where you are now. Key four, though, is to forget what is behind. And so the Apostle Paul goes on in verse 13 to say, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining on to what is ahead, I press on. And so your past does not determine your future unless you let it. We should learn lessons from our past. We should uh, seek to grow from it. We should seek to understand it, but, but we should seek to not be dragged down by it. You might have a full tank of petrol that can carry you a long way, but if you drive the car looking in the rear view mirror, you won't get far. And so we need to understand our past to a degree. Yes, we need to, to learn and grow. But ultimately, we need to forget it and focus forward on our goal of knowing Jesus more. And so I want to encourage you, don't keep looking back at the past. Be that the glory days. Oh, I wish we were back there when, and, and I've struggled with this lately, the pre-COVID glory days. Oh, wasn't it good when things were easy and... There was a lot of us and we just gather and worship. We don't, we don't want to keep looking back at the glory days or even we don't want to keep looking back at the painful days and just dwelling there in the painful days of the past. I, I want to encourage you to seek healing and if you need help from a professional or from a friend to help you deal with the past so that you can look forward and not back in the rearview mirror, I want to encourage you to do what it takes to not get stuck looking at the rearview mirror. But if we're going to persevere, we need to look ahead. And not behind. Key five. Gain courage from those who have gone before. This is where we jump into Hebrews that Caleb read for us. Hebrews chapter 12. In the first part of verse 1. The writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... And so witnesses here, that the writer of Hebrews is talking about all those heroes of the faith that they start out in detail and then get towards the end and go, this is going to take forever. I'm just going to refer to a whole bunch of all of those people that faithfully followed God that came before us. They went before us. They endured. And the key thing here is they were just ordinary people but they ran the race to the end with perseverance. Uh, when I was preparing to do that Convict 100 many years ago, uh, I looked up and I, and I knew how fast I could ride and I looked up and I found in the finishing lists of previous years people that, you know, when you average their pace out, uh, they were about the same level as me. I thought, ah, oh, there's people like me that have ridden in this race and finished it. Yes, they finished in the last 2 or 3% of those that, that rode in the race, but they did it. And, and so I gained courage from that to go, I'm not been completely crazy in thinking that I could do this. 
And so sometimes we, we look at what we might call the heroes of the faith and we think, oh, they, they, they were born outstanding, sensational people. But, but the scriptures remind us over and over again, and especially in Hebrews chapter 11 that comes before this, there's a great cloud of people, ordinary people that have gone before us in faith, that have endured trials, that have endured struggles, that have endured oppression. Yes, that have even endured pandemics and plagues and restrictions on their worship, far more significant than we have experienced, and they kept going. And if they could, then we can. We can gain courage from those that have gone before us. So I want to encourage you, read testimonies, share testimonies with others to encourage others. Talk to mature believers that have gone before you in the faith and are still alive, and you can say, hey, how did you keep going? Take courage from elders in faith. Read biographies. Key six, throw off all that hinders. In the second part of verse 12, the writer of Hebrews says, let us throw off all that hinders. And so this isn't, the writer of Hebrews gets to sin in a second, but, but this isn't just about sin. The writer of Hebrews is saying, if you want to persevere in your faith, if you want to keep going, then throw off all that hinders, not just sin. This is everything that clutters and gets in the way of, of us Going forward in our faith, this is the weight that wearies. And so, so often we live our faith like we're trying to run a marathon with a backpack filled with bricks and then wonder why we're getting tired. You would not like to see me, at least in my present physical condition, wearing the costume that I would wear riding in a mountain bike marathon. There's much of this stuff that would hinder in that capacity that makes it unpleasing to others' eyes, but it's stripping down to the, the bare minimum of what's needed to, our, to be able to endure. We don't see marathon runners in the Olympic Games carrying big backpacks because they don't need them. They would hinder. They even, in, in the way that they train their own bodies, they don't build big bulky muscles like we like, might see in a sprinter that's just got to run for 10 seconds. If you're going to run for a few hours, then you don't build bulky muscles either. You, you, you throw off them, you strip down your physical body because that would just hinder. And so we're to throw off all that hinders if we're to endure in our faith. And this is not necessarily just the sinful. This is throwing off fear, it's throwing off baggage, it's throwing off habits, it's throwing off uh, relationships, and we're meant to be relational, I'm just saying, you know, those unhelpful, toxic relationships that are hindering. We're to throw off addictions, and that's not just drug addictions, that's social media addictions, TV addictions, workaholic addictions. We're to throw off distractions, we're to throw off anger, anything that hinders our faith. And sometimes we fall into the trap of thinking, well, it's not a sin, so it's okay. But, but the question isn't, is it sinful? It's does it hinder? Is it a brick in the backpack of you persevering in faith? If so, then throw it off. And then key number seven, steer clear of sin. The very next thing the writer of Hebrews says is, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And... Isn't it true that when we are tired, sin is so much more tempting? Just like if you, you know, experience any kind of endurance event. I know Cheryl rides her bike for a long, long way and 
the reality is that when you're tired, it's much easier to run off course. When we're tired, in, in a physical sense, in our faith as well, when we're tired emotionally, it's so much more tempting to get tangled up in sin. The problem with sin is it, it does entangle. It's like a stick in the spokes of your bike. It, it tangles you up and it can bring you down very quickly. It can take you out of the race. Sin is like steering off course. One of the, one of the original biblical language words for sin is, is like missing the mark. And so steering clear of sin is, is like keeping a focus keeping our direction, staying on the course. And the reality is in life that sometimes the road is wide and it's easy to steer clear of sin. But sometimes, like a mountain bike race, there's these little tight and twisty bits and it takes a lot more focus to stay on course, to to not steer off into sin than it does at other times. And so if we're going to persevere, then we, we need to steer clear of sin. This isn't just like carrying a backpack full of bricks. This is like trying to ride along with you know, a, a vine wrapped around your wheel trying to drag the whole forest with you if we're steering off into sin. Ways we can do that is to be accountable to others, to share where we're struggling and where we are tempted to steer off. Ways we can do that is to choose to take a different path away from the temptation of sin. Ways we can do that is set up barriers or boundaries. I always appreciate when I'm driving a car on a narrow section of road that uh, those who have built the road often have put a boundary there. So though it might think, I might think, oh, gee, this is a bit tight. If I go off over there, I'm, kind of, I'm done for. There's a boundary. There's a barrier there. And we can do that in our lives when it comes to sin. We can set up boundaries and barriers that will keep us on course. Steer clear of sin. Key eight is to run the race that's marked out for you. Uh, in the, the last part, there's so much in just this one verse, but then the last part of Romans, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it's written, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And so the good news is the race is marked out. Uh, Jesus talked about this in his own life when he said something like, do what he only does what he sees the Father's doing. And so he focuses on running his race, not running the race of other people's expectations, not running the race of um, you know, what other people thought he should be doing, but running the race that was marked out for him. On that first Convict 100, uh, I hadn't ever ridden the course before, and so at major intersections there were signs that would, and people that would say, go this way, go that way, and that was helpful. But there was these bits in between where you thought, oh, I can't see anyone here. They're all in front of me, that was why, but... Uh, Am I on the right course? But what the, what the, the, the markers, the, the designers of the course had done was every few kilometres or so they had, it was just a simple piece of pink surveyor's tape wrapped around a tree branch. And so you had confidence that when you're riding along, you thought, am, am I just aimlessly riding here on completely the wrong path? You go, oh, there's the pink tape. I'm on the right course. And so God is like that. He's marked out our path for us. And sometimes we might think, am I on the right path? And we might encounter a, a word from God that might come through his word or another. It might be spoken directly to our heart, our heart like a big intersection. And God says, change course, go this way. 
But there'll be other times where we're riding along and we think, am I on the right path? And there'll just be that little bit of pink surveyor's tape. Just that little bit of encouragement from God, yeah, keep going. You're on the right course. The other part of this, though, is you can't ride someone else's course. This is where the, the metaphor of a race uh, where everyone's running the same course breaks down. It's more like a sprint in this sense, not that faith is a sprint, but where you've got to stay in your own lane. The temptation is to look at other people's lanes and think, oh, I wish I was running theirs. There seems to be more obstacles in mine. But we need to run the race that's marked out for us. If, like in a race, if you run the race that's marked out for someone else, the lane that they're meant to be in, you get disqualified. I'm not saying that God will kick us out if we make a mistake and step out of line or anything like that, but I'm saying we need to run in our lane. Run the race that's marked out for you. And so if we're struggling to persevere, one of the things we can do is, is seek encouragement for Jesus that we're that we're on the right direction, that we're on the right track, that we're on the right path, and, and, and ask him, look, tell me to change course. Tell me to go down a different road if that's what I'm meant to be doing right now. We can also ask him just to give us a reminder that we're on the right course. Run the race that's marked out for you. Key number nine, we're getting towards the end. Key number nine is to fix your eyes on Jesus. See, Jesus is our goal but he's also our example that we can fix our eyes on to follow. In verse 2 of Hebrews 12, we're told to run the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you, pardon me, that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And so we fix our eyes on Jesus because he's the pioneer. He's the first one to run this race. And he's the perfecter of it. He's got the world record of running the race of faith. He is the template. He is the model. And so if we really ultimately want to know how to persevere, if we want to know how to live out the faith, we simply fix our eyes on Jesus. We look at him. And we seek to model him. I said before that when I was seeking to do this Convict 100 mountain bike race, that, that I, I gained confidence from knowing that there were some, some slow, fat people like me that had managed to complete it. But I didn't try and emulate them. When I was training, I didn't want to become a more slower, fatter person. I, I wanted to become, at least as much as I could, a little bit more like the elite athletes that did it in four hours. And so I didn't look at the training routine, re, regimes of, of those around me that were at my league. I looked at the, the training regimes. I read about how, to, how the elite athletes would train so that I might not be like them in any way fully, but at least I could become a little bit more like them. And so if we want to grow in our faith, if we want to persevere, yes, we gain encouragement from those that have gone before and those that have gone around us, but, but we don't want to kind of look at those around us and go, well, I'm at least a little bit you know, stronger in my faith than so-and-so. We want to fix our eyes on Jesus. He's the perfecter. He's the elite athlete of faith that we should seek to become more and more like. We might never be fully like him in this life, 
But if we train like him, if we train to become like him, then we'll at least be a little bit more perseverant, a little bit stronger. And so we keep our eyes on Jesus. Key 10, last one. Well done. We're there. Finally, we remember the joy that is set before us. I've already read this bit. Caleb's already read this bit. But in the second part of verse 2 in Hebrews 12, it says, For the joy set before him, that is Jesus, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so Jesus persevered through the cross for joy. Not the joy of experiencing the cross itself, but for the joy set before him. The joy set before him was that moment of returning to heaven, of sitting by the right hand of God the Father, reunited fully in relationship with the Father. And it was also the saving of you and I. There was joy set before him. We also have a joy set before us. We have the joy of the fullness of our salvation that is to come at either our death or Jesus' return. In 2 Corinthians, where chapter 4, we're reminded of this joy. Eliza, if you want to start coming towards the front. Casting off all that hinders as you come. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18, we're told this, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Those are the words of the Apostle Paul, whose light and momentary troubles might be considered somewhat heavier and more persistent from our own perspective. But from the perspective of fixing his eyes on the unseen, they seem light and momentary compared to the glory that awaits. And so we fix our eyes not on this moment if we want to persevere. We need to know where we are, but that's not where we fix our eyes. We fix our eyes, we fix our hearts on the joy of crossing the finish line. We fix our hearts thinking about what it will be like to experience glory with Jesus. And so I want to encourage you to fix your eyes on the joy set before you, to fix your eyes on the unseen, not on the troubles of the now, that we might persevere until he comes. So establish a rhythm of rest, know your goal, know where you are now, Forget what's behind. Gain courage from those who've gone before you. Throw off all that hinders. Steer clear of sin. Run the race that's marked out for you. Fix your eyes on Jesus and remember the joy set before us. Those are, I think, I'm sure there's probably another 20 or 30 more things we can think about. Those are 10 things I want to leave with you this morning in the hope that at least one or two of them might stick in your soul and help you to persevere not just in this moment, but throughout all your days, that you might enter into that glory with Jesus. Let me pray, and then Eliza's going to play and sing, and we are going to sit or stand or 
adopt whatever posture we wish to, but we're not going to sing. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and just quicken to our hearts. What training exercise do I need to do in this season of my life to work on my endurance? So come, Holy Spirit. In the barrage of points this morning in the message today, I pray that you would quicken to each of our hearts. Perhaps just one thing or a couple things from the word that you inspired that would help us in this time Help us in this time to persevere. And so we fix our eyes on Jesus, the elite athlete of faith. We ask that you would help us to become more like him. That we would persevere and reap its benefits for your glory. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in His Word, stay in His love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.